as we continue our mini-series on faith within the larger series from this year of uh, memory verses. Let's go ahead and begin this morning's message by reciting together 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 a few times to let it start to grow in our minds and into our hearts. Say this with me, shall we? 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. We'll take away a few of those words and let's say this again together. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. One more time. It's getting tougher already. One more time, alright? Let's say this together, shall we? 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Alright. And our our focus today as we talk about faith, granted faith wasn't even in that passage as a word, but as we talk about and focus on this call that we would humble ourselves, this is a a key element in faith. In, in, In placing your faith in God and in what He has said and what He tells us to do, it requires, it, it, it is by necessity, uh, we have to humble ourselves. Because if you recall what we looked at last week a little bit is that uh, faith, as Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So you, you don't have it to look at. You don't have it there before. You, you can't hold this thing that you have faith in or this person you have faith in. It's one thing to base a decision on past experiences. Because somebody has constantly come through for you and has been faithful, as we use the word, it is easy to trust them because we have seen them do it in the past. But what if you have never seen a person come through and be trustful? What if they have never fulfilled something they have said? To believe that the next time they will takes faith. Because you haven't seen it yet. And that's what we're talking about. When we talk about faith, when we talk about having faith in God and and trusting in Jesus Christ, we are talking about something that you can't prove. That isn't there. You can't hold it. You can't say, here, see? It's like, the, as I explained, you know, we don't have faith in these chairs. We have tested them. We know them to be good. They're going to hold up. But faith, faith is something where we cannot see it. But we, we live it out, even though it's just a hope in our hearts, even though it's something we haven't seen, we live it out. Faith is the assurance. It's the conviction of those things. And, and if you're going to do that, you're going to have to humble yourself. 
Because we live with what we can see. We live with our own capabilities. We live with all of our possibilities. And so when it comes between what God has said to do and what we can do, quite frankly, it's a lot easier to rely on what you can do than what God has said to do. Because what I can do is something I can feel. What I can do is something I can control. What I can do is something that I can have some assurance in. But faith says I'm going to trust God even though I don't see it. I'm going to trust Him even though I don't see Him. I'm going to trust even though it goes against all of my human wisdom. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we humble ourselves. And that's why this passage tells us there in verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. The, The word humble there doesn't describe us. It is not an adjective describing how we behave. It's not a character trait. It is a verb. It is an action. It means to lower yourself. To uh, make low. Or to humble. Or even to humiliate. It can be used sometimes. It's translated that way. It it means for us to be fully dependent upon the Lord. to, to, To take ourselves and we can be so proud of ourselves and we can be so sure of our capabilities and our thoughts and our vision and our ways and to lower them. To lower our entire selves under the mighty hand of God. That we would place ourselves into, not just into, but underneath His hand. And when we talk about the mighty hand of God, we're talking about His power, His ability. When we speak of of a hand, you know, we talk about a lot of times in the Bible that the hand is an important um, part of the body. We talk about Jesus being at the right hand of God. James and John wanted to know who could stand at the right hand of Jesus and one at the left hand to to have a position of of authority, of, of, of honor in the kingdom. But when we talk about hand, we don't just talk about a position or, or care or control, but we talk about a person's ability to do something. By my right hand. And so when we talk about placing ourselves under God's mighty hand, we're not just talking about His might or His care, but also His actions. Because with a hand, that's what we, that's what we use to create. We use our hands to do things. To make things happen. And so when we talk about placing ourselves in the mighty hand or under, to, 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 to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, we're talking about placing ourselves within His power and His activity. That we trust Him to act. That we would trust Him to provide, to protect, and to move. When we talk about humbling ourselves under His mighty hand, what we're talking about is that, that you need to entrust yourself to God's ways entirely. His, His way of doing things. When we talk about using your hands. That we would entrust ourselves not just to, oh, He's mighty and, and I'm weak and so I, I know that I am weaker than He is. 
but to His ways. That's, that's what Peter is getting at as we, as we talk about that we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That we would humble ourselves, that we would lower ourselves, and that we would dismiss reliance upon ourselves, and that we would trust God's ways. That we would trust that His, His ideas and His knowledge are better than ours, and that His actions will be better than ours. He, he says, he continues there in verse 6, uh, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. And, and so here you have a little bit of a, uh, a contrast in words. We humble ourselves, we lower ourselves under hupo in the Greek that He may exalt us. That He may literally, the word exalt there, hupsao, is to lift, to raise up, to, to set on high. It has kind of the idea of that He would place His hand underneath and raise up. So as we are told to humble ourselves, to place ourselves under, to lower ourselves into His hands, under His hands, we are told that when we do that, God in His turn, at the proper time, that He may exalt us, that He would lift us up, that He would place Himself underneath us is, is kind of the, the figurative language and lift us up. That He would exalt us at the proper time. And now, what, what Peter is talking about here specifically is the idea of the end time. When Jesus Christ will come back at the proper time, at the, the kairos, that He would come back in the fitting season, the due season. Everything has its time. And He is talking about the end time when Jesus returns, that He will exalt those who have humbled themselves under His hand. But it is true for us in our lives about every aspect, every time. There is a proper time for things. There is a, a time for being born. There's a time for dying. There's a time for going to school. There's a time for school to be over. There's a time to work. And there's a time to put down the work. There is a, a proper time always. And what he is encouraging us to do here is that we would humble ourselves under God's hand, under His ways, that we would entrust ourselves to God's ways. And part of that also means that we wait for God's perfect time. That as we humble ourselves under His hand, as we trust His ways, part of trusting His ways is trusting His time, that He would exalt us at the proper time that he would fulfill his purposes at the proper time and this is something isn't this something that we struggle with and, and we're not alone in this you have abram who uh god said hey all the stars in the sky will not equal the number of descendants you're going to have well you know he told him that in his 70s it was 10 years later he was still kind of wondering when's that going to happen and his wife was wondering when's that going to happen so she's she came up with a plan. Maybe this is God's way of making that happen. Here's my servant. That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's time. It was going to be another ten years later. That wasn't the plan. We often want to push things a little bit ahead of time, don't we? And it's tough to wait. You know, I, I think about sometimes in Scripture you have, for instance, 
Going back to Abraham, God promised him that his descendants would be strangers in another land, that they would be enslaved there for uh, two, what, I was going to say 200, but I believe it was 400 years, right? And just think of all the people who were born, lived, and died in Egypt. Their entire lives were spent in bondage, waiting for God's proper time, perfect time, when he would call them out. And, and part of that, as he told Abraham, was uh, the, the, the sins of the Canaanites had not yet been f- fulfilled. They, they hadn't filled up all their sin yet. It wasn't time to punish them yet. It wasn't time to judge them yet. And God was using that time of enslavement to keep them as a, 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 an a people group that was separate from the Egyptians. He was using that time for them to grow as a people from one family of 12 boys to 12 tribes. And yet, think of all the people who were born, lived, and died waiting for deliverance. I have a hard time sometimes waiting a few months. They waited generations. When we humble ourselves under His mighty hand, we wait for God's perfect time because at the right time, He will elevate us. He will exalt us. Specifically, as Peter is talking about it, he's thinking about the end time. But the same can be true for all the little things that we are going through in our lives. The time will come. We need to be patient. We need to wait upon Him. The second part of this passage. So we have, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. This is, this is going along with the f- verse 6. They go together. It's not a new idea. As you humble yourself, as you humble yourself under God's mighty hand, Part of that is casting your anxieties upon Him. It's not holding on to these things, but literally throwing them on God. To cast was... uh, The only other place this word is used in the Bible is in Luke when the disciples cast their robes on the donkey for Jesus to sit on it. They throw their robes up on Him so that Jesus can sit on the donkey. And that's the idea that we throw our anxieties on God. You don't hold on to Him. You don't just show them to Him and lift them up to Him, but no, you, you cast them. You throw them away onto Him. You let them go. Casting your anxiety on Him. All your anxiety on Him. And why? Because He cares for you. The idea here is, is that we can trust God to take care of our worries. That word anxiety, it means those things that, uh, are, that the cares and Uh, worries and concerns that we have in life. We can cast them on Him. We are encouraged and instructed to cast them on Him because He cares for us. Here you have a mighty God, the Creator of all things, who we are told to humble ourselves under His mighty hand. And part of that humbling is that we would cast, that we would throw our anxieties, our worries, our concerns on Him. Because He cares for you. Because He cares for you. 
And, and here again, Peter is using some words that mean similar things. Anxiety can mean the cares and worries. Well, cares for you. Another way of translating that could be He is concerned about you. He has concern for you. This word cares, it's the word that the disciples used when they were in the boat on the Sea of Galilee and there was a storm and Jesus was asleep. And they say they woke Him up and they said, don't you care? We're dying. Don't you care? How often have we cried out to God, don't you care? Don't you care I'm going through this? Don't you care I hurt this way? Don't you care? How often have those words come either literally out of your lips or at least have been thought by your spiritual lips in direction to God? See, we are called to have faith in Him and, and, and to humble ourselves to Him in part because He cares for us. He is mighty and He is great, but He cares for us. He is all-powerful. He is the ruler of all things. And He cares for you. Specifically. Peter might have been getting this from Jesus' own teaching where He says, aren't two sparrows sold for a coin? And yet not one of them dies that my Father in Heaven is not aware of it. If He cares for the birds, He'll care for you. You know, they, they fly around. They, they don't... They don't have a, a harvest time. They, they don't have fields, and yet they eat plenty. God provides for them, and He'll provide for you too. Because He cares for you. You're more valuable to Him than the birds. You're more valuable to Him than the grass. He'll care for you. I want you to, to know today, and this is a struggle I think we all have, know that God actually cares for you. He really, truly, actually cares for you. It's not just something we say. He cares for you. When you're hurting, He knows about it and He hurts. When you struggle with doubt, He's sitting there just wanting you to believe and to trust and to hold on just a little bit longer. He cares for you. And He doesn't just care for you in the sense that He wants to give you everything you want. No, He cares for you in the sense that He wants you to grow, to mature, to be disciplined, to be faithful. He cares for you beyond just your own desires. But He, he actually cares for you. And, and the context that Peter is saying this to them, he is talking to a, a, a church that is undergoing persecution. They are suffering. For those people in the world today that want to say that, oh, Christianity and suffering don't go together, that if you're following the Lord, you're not going to experience suffering. You're going to experience just benefits and prosperity. Those are people who have just gotten rid of 1 Peter. Because in 1 Peter 4.19, he is talking to them and he says, therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God so not just they're suffering because of God, although they were, but according to the will of God, that it is His will that they should suffer. 
They shall entrust their souls to a faithful Creator in doing what is right. He says, you may be suffering because of the, the, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It may be even according to His will. And you shall entrust your soul to the faithful Creator in doing what is right. Even though you're suffering for it, keep doing right. He was talking to a church that was undergoing a lot of persecution. They were suffering. And he says, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful Creator. We don't suffer like that. We don't undergo persecution like that. I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like God has abandoned me if I get stuck in traffic. You know, it, 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 why? Why? He knew I needed to go here. He knew I was driving here. Why did He allow all of this traffic in front of me? What is God doing in my life today? Yeah, that is not suffering. That is just part of life. These people were suffering, and He was telling them to cast all their anxiety on Him because He cares for them. In fact, you know, if you noticed in verse five, uh, 6, there's a therefore. And there in verse 4.19, there was a therefore. There are a lot of therefores in this part of First Peter. But immediately before uh, verse 6, in First in, in Peter 5.5, 5, He tells us, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. He, he is talking to a people who are undergoing struggles and persecution. They are suffering at times. And He tells them to clothe themselves with humility toward one another. To humble themselves. Just as, as He moves on in verse five, 6 to say, therefore, humble yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Lower yourselves to one another. You know, how often do we exalt ourselves to one another? We elevate ourselves. We want to be over the other person. We want to be in charge of the other person. We want to have our way over the other person. But he tells us instead, no, humble yourselves. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another and for a specific reason. Because God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. The pride exalts itself. When we are proud, we push ourselves up. When we humble, we lower ourselves. The idea here being that we should not be proud and therefore elevate ourselves, but we should humble ourselves that God might elevate us in His way at His time and it might not happen today. And it might not happen in this life. I was uh, reading some stuff recently and, and it was talking about, uh, it was about Gerald Ford and his uh, pardon of President Nixon. And how when he did it, he, he firmly believed it was the right call for the benefit of the nation. He re referenced several times in his speech his own conscience, his conscience, his conscience. He didn't want the wounds to continue to be reopened. But when he did that, the majority of people in America were not happy with that decision. 
I wasn't there. I'm, I'm just reading about it. Some of you, you remember that. You can remember how you felt maybe when you heard the news that he had done that thing. Overwhelmingly, a majority of people did not like that decision. And it certainly didn't help him in 1976. But a few years later, in the late 70s, a few more people had moved from the I don't like this to I'm happy with that decision. And then I think by the last time anybody ever bothered asking a, a group of people in America what they thought of that decision, 1986. And by that time, a majority of people agreed and said, you know, that was the right call. People who 12 years earlier had said, I can't believe he just did that, now said, in looking back, that was the right call. And I'm sure you probably have experiences like that in your life where it's a little, it's too little too late in our book, right? But maybe after the fact, somebody comes back, back to you and says, you know, you were right about that. That's what happens. So we might not always receive the exaltation when we want it. And we may have to wait a long time. It might not be until Christ comes back and everybody is gathered around and He is celebrating the things that we have done in our lives that some of what you have done will be acknowledged. And God will say, I want you to look at my daughter here and see some of the great things she did. None of you noticed it on earth. I'm going to let you know about it now. This is my son. Look at what he did. You didn't notice it. Maybe you were even upset about it, but I was proud of it. I was happy with it. It pleased me. We might not be exalted until the end in those ways. Pride wants to get the exaltation today. Pride is all about this is how great I am today. We are full of pride, are we not? It's one of the great struggles. I am patriotic and I love America, but America is not a humble nation. We are a proud people. We think we're the greatest thing that ever happened to the earth uh, in general. We struggle with the idea that we are not God's answer. Because I, I don't know about you, I was raised believing and being told America was God's answer. God, America is a city set on a hill for the whole world to see. But no, I, I haven't found that in Scripture. What I have found in Scripture is Jesus saying, when you lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. He calls His church to be a city set on a hill. He calls His church to be salt and light. A government cannot do that. But we are proud, are we not? We want to talk about how great we are and the great things we do, and we always win every battle. And even if we retreated, well, we, you know, we advanced to the rear. We always win. We're always the greatest. We are full of pride. And instead, what He calls us to do is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him. And, and here's the thing. Worry and pride, they go together. Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Having, having anxiety, having worry, and holding on to it is a type of pride. When you have the idea that nobody can help you, I've got to do it 
self, that's pride talking. I don't know about you, but it can hurt to ask for help. It can be difficult to acknowledge that you need help. That you need somebody else to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. It can hurt. And in a way, if you do it too often, if, you're, if you find it doesn't hurt, that can hurt. <laughs> if you get to the point where you never do anything for yourself, that can also be debilitating. But the worry and saying, oh, I've got this thing and I've got that thing, holding on to it is an act of pride. Because you're basically saying, I don't need to give this to you, God. I'll take care of it. I don't need you, God. This is mine. But when we cast our anxiety on Him, when we hand it over to Him, we humble ourselves and we acknowledge we need Your help, Lord. See, as we talk about faith, as we talk about believing in in Jesus and walking a life of faith, we have to humble ourselves to Him. And to cast our anxiety on Him. You know, what has, just think, what are you worried about this week? What cares do you carry today? What things do you have going on? Whether you, there are things that you're going to be able to take care of or not. What do you worry about? What are the things that if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're not going to go back to sleep because they pop into your head and you start working them over? I want to encourage you today, whatever is in your brain right now, to say, okay, this is something I need to give over to God. I need to cast it on Him because He cares for me. I don't need to worry about this. I don't need to let this steal my joy. I don't need to allow this to keep me up at night. God stays up at night. He never rests. I need to rest. So I'll just give it to Him. I'll trust Him with the outcome of it. I don't know when it's going to come. It may come today. It may come tomorrow. It may not come in 20 years. But I'm going to trust Him with the outcome. I'm going to trust that He'll take care of it in the proper time. In the proper time, He will elevate me and exalt me. That He'll provide the answer. And then give Him the worry that I have for this. That's not always easy. But that's what He calls us to. That's living in faith. Knowing that there's this thing out there and it's, gonna, it's bothering me and I don't know what's going to happen with it, but I'm going to trust God with it. I'm going to trust Him with the outcome. Whether, whether it hurts or not. Whether it's the outcome I want. And that's really the, that's what we're getting at is most of the time the outcome isn't the outcome I want. But can I trust Him with the outcome? Will I trust that His ways are better? Will I entrust myself to His ways? His mighty hand. That's what we're called to. But when we think that we have to take care of it, when we've got the pride that I've got the right way and God doesn't know what He's talking about, or when we just hold on to that worry, and and holding on to that worry is a, a way of pride, but also when we hold on to that worry, we're not trusting God. And when we're full of our own plans and our own ideas, we're not trusting God. We're not humbling ourselves before Him either. Pride and worry hinder our faith. They they stifle it. They keep it from walking and growing. So when when Peter is saying for us to humble ourselves, a mature 
believer in Christ is not the one who's puffed up. A mature believer in Christ isn't the one who's got all the answers in themselves. A mature believer in Christ is the one who humbles themselves. Who lowers themselves. Under God's hand. And oftentimes, like he said uh, in verse 5, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. That we would humble ourselves with one another. That we would cast our anxiety not on each other, but on the Lord. That we would wait for His proper time. That's what Peter is calling this church that is under persecution and suffering to do. What are you anxious about? Anxious about your health? How long things will continue to go? Are you anxious about what will happen to you if you lose an ability here or there? Are you anxious about your children? What will happen to them? Will they follow Jesus? Will they get their life back on track if it's off? Will they stay on track if they're on? What are you anxious about? Are you anxious about the next few years and the recession that we are currently going through? Are you anxious about China and Iran and Russia? Are you anxious about food and farming and how much of the food is being produced and how much we're going to be able to eat and whether we're always going to be able to find food in the near future? What are you anxious about? I want to invite you to walk in faith. To cast all those things that we're anxious about on, on God. To humble ourselves under His mighty hand and to know whatever comes, He is sovereign. He is over it. He has a plan for work that He is doing, and He calls us to walk with Him, to humble ourselves under His guidance, under His hand, to trust in Him, casting all our anxiety on Him, and for very good reason. He cares for you. You don't have to worry. He cares for you. He will walk you through those difficult days. He cares for you. He will be there He will take care of it. He will show you what you need to do when you need to do it. Because He cares for you. Walk in faith. Trusting that He'll care for you. Let's say this verse one more time as we close. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we know that You care for us, but sometimes we need to be reminded. We doubt and we struggle and we wonder, do You really care when things are tough? when we feel like we are being burdened with things that are unfair, we wonder if You care. Father, we pray that You would help us to trust and believe and to know that You care for us. That we would trust 
Your ways. That we would humble ourselves to Your ways even when our human ability says there's a better way that will get us the results we want. May we instead trust Your way that we could see Your results that You want. And we recognize, Lord, that oftentimes what You're looking to have happen in our lives is different than what we want. We want it to be easy. We want it to be uh, prosperous. We want it to be enjoyable. You want us to grow in You. You want us to prosper in faith, not in the world. Help us to trust Your ways, Father, we pray. And, And we lift up to You our anxieties. Those things that we care about and are concerned about and worry about. Lord, we know it's not easy. We know we can't just say it and have it happen. But we lift them up to You and we pray, Lord, that You would help us to cast these anxieties on You. That we would start today putting them on You. And if we have to do it again tomorrow or even in the next hour, we pray that we would cast them on You, trusting You with them, knowing that You are not ignorant of our cares, but that You care about them as well. We pray, Lord, that we would live by faith, trusting in You and in Your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.